Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Icke, George Bremer here with you. So, George, we're just talking about, again, for the fourth time in a row, nothing. The sad part is, George, we talked a lot about Jeff Schneider, why he shouldn't be the head coach. And even though it's a, a tired topic, I will say each podcast, I feel like we have another reason, a new reason. It's like we're just hitting up the same old things. There's a brand new reason each and every podcast to say, well, this is the latest reason why, and that's the latest reason why. He keeps giving reasons to kind of take him out of the head coach running. But then surprisingly, on Monday, you there at locker cleanout day, you heard some players, some prominent players, kind of voice their their support for Jeff Saturday. What was that kind of like uh, on Monday afternoon? Yeah, it was really interesting because it's the first time we've heard that. You know, I think it's one of the things we were talking about. And that's one reason I want to mention on, on the pod because we have kind of mentioned before that you don't hear that kind of vocal support. I will say this. There's a couple of qualifications on this. They were directly asked if Jeff Saturday should come back. So it wasn't something they offered, you know, on their own. Um and, and I do wonder if there's an element in there, like you were talking about with Chris Ballard trying to be nice because you know that the owner is is in this guy's corner. If I'm, you know, if you look at the guys that were doing this, Jonathan Taylor is the only one who's not tied to this franchise on a long-term deal right now. Uh, and he's hoping to be. So, you know, are you going to badmouth a guy who's pretend, potentially your boss? You know, I mean, if I come to you and, and I start asking about the new uh, director at the radio station, are, are you going to, start talking about all the flaws that he has. Are you going to play up, you know, what a great guy he is and, and what a great <laughs> job he does, knowing that he's going to end up determining how much you play and, and how much of a role you have. So that being said, um, Leonard's the one that gets me because Shaq doesn't know how to be anything but honest. He's His heart's on his sleeve. He's like Jim Mercy in that regard. He says things sometimes he probably shouldn't say uh, because he's – He's just telling you how he feels. And he was adamant in his defense of Jeff Saturday. And a lot of it came down to he felt like he brought an accountability level that, that was missing before, uh, you know, in terms of going after the top guys on 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 the roster. That's something I'd heard as a critique of, of Frank Reich before he got fired. And it's something that, that Shaq Leonard seemed to, to connect with. But again, I come back to that's fine. And it's great that Shaq feels that way and that he's 100 percent you know, in his corner because of it, it didn't show up on the field. I was just going to say, how much is that a credit to Jeff Saturday? How much is that just more of an indictment on Frank Wright? Because if you're like, if that, and it sounds like that's the case, right? There's a lot of reports out there that Frank Wright was maybe too soft and did not hold some of the big names accountable the way he should have, and Jeff Saturday changed that quickly. But, I mean, this is just me just kind of speculating as a fan with no, in, you know, inside workings of any sort of candidacy or, or how the, the interview process is going to work. If I'm Chris Ballard, can I just be like, okay, that was an issue. So one of the things we're going to prioritize in this search is going to be accountability. And 
I'd assume if you look at a guy like Jim Harbaugh, that's guy I think is going to say what's on his mind to whoever this is really care. I think you could get that same amount of accountability in anyone else you hire outside of just Saturday, right? There's, there's no question. Jim Harbaugh is going <laughs> to have that accountability. Uh, he'll hold the media accountable in that way as well. He'll tell us anything that he, that he feels and the fans will probably enjoy that as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I just don't look. I've never been a, a big guy who who cares much about the raw raw side of coaching at the NFL level. I, I just when I hear about motivation and leadership, there's a baseline level you have to be. It's sort of like with quarterbacks. There's a baseline level that that you have to have to even be considered for one of these jobs. So I just assume that that, that you can do that. If if this was a weakness of of Frank Reich's and it was an area that Jeff Saturday improved, the team had a worse record under Saturday than they did under Reich. So how important was it? You know, I, I just point. go back to that Good kind point. of a thing. I, I just I feel like if you need a coach to come in and motivate you or to call you out because you didn't play, then maybe you don't have the right guys in the locker room to begin with. That's a good point, which I would I don't think that's the case with the Colts. I think they are a lot of guys that, for the most part, oh, are yeah. high character or unquestionable. But you're right. Like, at the end of the day, okay, Jeff Saturday held guys more accountable. But, yeah, it, they were quit. the record is way worse. And said everyone mailed it. In. Everyone did. So what does that really tell you about, you know, either him, you know, not doing a great job towards the end or guys tuning him out too? It's something too, like, and it could be the case where he held everyone accountable. But the last month, look at how they played. The guys just get sick of the message and realize, you know what, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. I think it's also a thing with athletes. They know where someone else is coming from. If, if they don't respect you, don't respect the way and your ability to make them better, I think it's pretty easy to tune out. And again, that's a big risk that Jeff Saturday has of if he's somehow the, the permanent head coach, I think it's hard to get guys to buy in if they don't respect your level of expertise. Again, when it comes to head coaching and making them better. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think they, he came in with instant credibility. I mean, we talked about that, you know, after the Raiders win because of his playing career. And I think they do like the way he handles things because he talks to them like a player, you know, he comes in and, and he talks to them the same way they talk to each other. And I think they really do respond to that. But at the end of the day, I don't know. It's even so much something he did or didn't do as far as his demeanor, as far as his message. There's just so much negativity piling up around this team. When you're on a seven game losing streak and you break the NFL record for the biggest lead given up and you give up 33 points in the fourth quarter against Dallas, you're human, right? I mean, at the end of right. the day, it's going to wear on you. And I feel like that carries over to the next year. You may go into the off season saying, all right, because, you know, Shaq made the point. He deserves his own coaching staff. He deserves a full season. You may go into the offseason feeling that way and go through training camp and go all the way up to September feeling that way. But if the first game gets played and there's echoes of what happened before, I feel like that's what happened this year. I like this year went off the tracks and week one at Houston because that game felt way too much like week 18 in Jacksonville the year before. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as we know, it spiraled from there and, Holy smokes, here we are. Four, and if you keep Jeff Saturday, aren't you risking that again? It's a good point. I think, I think, like I said, I think last year, week 18 to week one this year shows you you can carry themes over. You can carry even just the the way you play. It, it does, it's not an automatic refresh just because, oh, 2022 is over. All right, we can put all those bad feelings and that bad play aside. Just, well, it's going to magicate better in 2023. I think you're right. Like You bring Jeff Saturday back. You risk picking up in 2023 right where you left off in 2022, which is what no Colts fan wants whatsoever, and Jim Mercy especially. So hopefully, again, that's the latest reason. Another one added to the list, George, of like the 10,000 reasons we have right now and counting 
of reasons not to hire Jeff Saturday, but hopefully eventually uh, eventually Jim Mercer will listen. Two quick hitters here before we get out of here, George. Number one, uh, on Tuesday, Chris Ballard did mention that he liked the development of left tackle Bernard Ryman a lot, and it appears that he'll be now the left tackle of the future. At least, at least we'll say going into 2023, it does not appear like the left tackle is going to be priority number one for the Colts. You agree with that? Yeah, I, I got two thoughts on that. A, he's he's earned it. I mean, if you look at the the peripheral numbers and and you know some of the stats that are out there around offensive line play, he he did a really good job in the last month of the year, and he had really tough competition. And B, I think there's an efficiency to it. You're already looking for a head coach and a quarterback. Do you need to add left tackle to the list as well? This kid gave you enough to go by. I think it just makes sense. I'm with you. I think it's. I think he showed you enough. He's grown and developed. And again, if you can you know, turn a third round pick into your potential next left tackle for the next five years. I think it's, it's definitely worth exploring for 2023 without a doubt. And uh, like I said, if he, if he regresses next year, okay, it's a bridge you can get to again, especially if you get the right quarterback and the right head coach. Then all of a sudden I could become priority number one in 2020 in the 2023 offseason going to 2024. Like I said, especially where now you got a lot of other big pieces you got to worry about right now. It's like I said, with head coach and, and quarterback. I also did like, he's asked about the offensive line, not doing anything to cave on Thibodeau when he was celebrating. You can tell it, but that bothered him, George. He was sitting there. It took a long time for him to answer. He's kind of – you could tell in his mind trying to work up an answer that wasn't, you know, too damning but, you know, not too soft. That, I think, really pissed him off seeing all five guys kind of stand there while Kayvon Thibodeau was celebrating next to an injured Nick Foles. There's no question about it. I, we talked about this before. I, I have no doubt in my mind that Jeff Saturday would have thrown hands in that situation, that he would have sparked a, a benches-clearing brawl if he'd been out there. I, Chris Ballard would have too. You know, if, if he'd been out there – uh, as that former Wisconsin player that he was, uh, I, I don't, there's no doubt in my mind he would have gotten in somebody's face. And I think the offensive line took that to heart a little bit too. It was a different situation, but you did see Quentin Nelson come to Sam Ellinger's defense in in that Week 18 game against Houston pretty quickly. I think they got the message on that one. And finally, the other last bit of news here, George, that we could kind of wrap up this pod with is the futures of Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr. Chris Bowers asked, you know, his thoughts on both and extension times are uh, are here. Is it time to pay time uh, to pay both? One, you know, which one do you prefer? It felt like definitely Jonathan Taylor more than uh, more than Michael Pittman Jr. was likely to get the big payday, uh, especially this offseason. Yeah, you know, and I think that's one of the things when you were talking about alarming things, that's certainly something that's going to alarm some of the fans. You know, his response that uh, you do pay running backs if they're a great player. And, and now he didn't say that that Jonathan Taylor falls in that category yet. I think they've got some things that they got to find out, you know, how much the injuries affected him this year, how much the decline of the offensive line affected him this year, how much the overall circus atmosphere this season became affected him this year. You you got to, you know, dig through those those kind of things, but I think when when you parse the answers he gave about Taylor and the answers he gave about Pittman, I think it's far more likely he's going to offer an extension to Jonathan Taylor. Not that he doesn't want Michael Pittman around, but I think if you've got to choose between the two, it, it seemed like he was leaning toward the, the running back in this case. I mean, Missy even just was openly questioning if Michael Pittman Jr. is the number one wide receiver, which well, I think it's a fair question. Like I thought, especially after 2021, he was trending towards, you know, kind of taking over that role. And I think, you know, playing his way into being a number one. And look, it's not his fault this year. I mean, he struggled for sure and dropped. Even you saw week 18, dropped mm. a few passes he should have caught. Like it was uncharacteristic. Uh, down the stretch here, Michael Pittman Jr. not catching uh, some pass that we normally see him catch the first few years of his career in Indy. But also, too, it's like 
Look, I know the quarterback play was not very good, but this is not exactly a year for you, Michael, uh, Michael Pittman Jr. You want to have going into an offseason where, again, extensions are possible and you're trying to put your best foot forward here. I still think he has what it's in him. Uh, still has it to kind of be that number one guy. He's never going to be one of those game-breaker, Tyreek Hill-type guys, but I think a tough, hard-nosed possession guy that's really good in the locker room, really good leader in offense. For me, those are guys you pay. But like I said, if it's a numbers game, if it's a stats game, especially this year, Pittman did not show you anywhere near the, the stats that warrant uh, an extension for sure. Yeah, my, my comp for him is Anquan Bolton. You know, that that's kind of the guy I see him as. Like, like that, that. that sort of, you know, tough, chain-moving kind of guy. You need those guys. On your roster, there's no question about it. Uh, I will say if there's an upside, because we always like to put a positive spin on things here at the Blue War yes. too, uh, is you know, a hungry Michael Pittman next year with something to prove playing with a rookie quarterback is not the worst thing to have uh, in the true. world. That is very true. That is, uh, I like that. That's a great way to finish it off, George. That's a great way to finish it off. Fingers crossed that, yeah, he's re-inspired. But also, too, again, hopefully it gets better quarterback. Like, I think it's a large part of his drop-off was just the fact that the guys throwing him the football this year. You see Matt Ryan, Sam Mellinger, and Nick Foles. Uh, not very good, to say the least. So that'll do it for this edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast right here on Odyssey. We do appreciate you uh, joining us. Make sure, again, you're downloading, subscribing, and liking wherever you do get your Blue Horseshoe Pod because we have a lot of content coming out, ex- including later on this week. We'll be back, kind of break down the head coaching search. Right? We did a lot of GM uh, press conference breakdown, head coach uh, press conference breakdown, but now let's start looking ahead towards the future. They kind of put a bow in the 2022 season, George. Now it's time to look ahead to toward 2023. The Colts have already started requesting interviews with guys all across the league so we'll kind of get you that list by the time Thursday does roll around it should be a lot you know more expansive and we should get an idea of who true the Colts are going to be targeting who's gonna be out there so 2023 even though this was the first podcast uh of the official offseason now we can finally start to look ahead to the 2023 offseason uh offseason George should be uh should be a fun one that's for sure yeah this was kind of the, the post credit scene for the for the 2022 <laughs> season and now we're going to move on to 2023 next week it is nice, I will say. It's nice to put to bed the 2022 season. That is for sure. It's nice to kind of put on the back burner, hopefully erase it from our minds because it was not a lot of memories for this one for sure. And fingers crossed, a lot of lessons were learned uh, going into 2023 and beyond. That is for sure. So that'll do for us here for this edition. We'll talk to you later on the week right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.